0: This episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by TryBest, making healthy, living easy.
1: Welcome Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak.
0: Hello, I'm Steve Prusak. Welcome to the show. Today we've got Sarah Ann Shockley, author of The Pain Companion. Uh, We're going to find out how she overcame pain, lives with pain, and how you can too. Pain doesn't have to get in your way to live a healthy, happy life. We're going to be back right after this with Sarah Ann Shockley. So get a tea, some juice, or water. We'll be back right after this with Sarah Ann Shockley. Hi, this is Steve, and getting off sugar changed my life. I get the juices in, but I was still having issues I want to help you get off sugar with Sugar Busters. It's our six-week easy sugar detox program designed for getting lean and a new healthy you. Find out more about it at JuiceGuruTribe.com. That's our Facebook community where we're talking about it. We're promoting it. So go to JuiceGuruTribe.com and find out how to get in on Sugar Busters. Join the tribe. Transform your life. I'm excited to connect with you. JuiceGuruTribe.com. JuiceGuruTribe.com welcome back to the show i've got sarah ann shockley uh her new book is the pain companion you can get that on amazon bookstores worldwide her website is www.thepaincompanion.com we're going to hear about how she overcame thoracic outlet syndrome and living with the pain and all those other tips secrets and everything else that she's teaching let's welcome to the show right now sarah ann shockley well thanks very much steve it's great to be here Thank you Sarah. I mean this is there's been a lot of excitement in the community because a lot of people are living with pain, still trying to yeah. live in gratitude, but um, you know as we go through life, we do um, over we do have to be in pain. How can we say yeah. it?
1: Yeah, well, it's something that we're going to meet in on our path in life one way or another. We're going to meet emotional pain or physical pain at some mm. point. So it's really, how are we going to meet it? And that's so what I I wasn't about. sure how to say it. You know, some yeah. point
0: in life, we're going to be in pain. <laughs>
1: <You know? laughs> no. Well, it's not our favorite topic, of course, like we'd rather right. not talk about it. But that's what I believe is one of the, the problems with chronic pain is that we were not talking about it. We're, we're talking about it as an epidemic, but we're not talking about how it affects the person in pain and what it does to the person's life. And, and how do you live with that? How do you live when you're waking up every day in terrible pain, what What do you do? You know, how do you, get, how do you get beyond the awful sense of loss and loneliness and guilt and shame? There's just a lot of stuff that goes with living with pain. So that's a lot of what I try to address in my book and what we'll talk about today and, and, other, and other thoughts about it too.
0: Well, we'd love for you to share your story because obviously you've overcome some serious uh, injury and pain. So yeah. can you take us back to what happened and how yeah. you worked to overcome it?
1: Yeah, and I'm still in it. I wouldn't say I've totally overcome it. So I love the word, but <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. But I've certainly gone through the worst of it, I think. And, the, and I've, I've been able to um, bring down the acute levels and able to function and able to re-engage with life. And that's what I really talk about. How, how do you find a way to re-engage with life while you're still moving through pain? So, um, yeah, it was the fall of 2007 so it's been a while now, I was diagnosed with thoracic outlet syndrome. And that's not very well known, but apparently it's getting more prevalent, unfortunately, because of our computer use. Um, It is a collapse between the clavicles, the collarbones, and the first rib. And in that area... uh, we have to, the scaling muscle from the neck, neck has to fit between those two bone structures, as well as a large nerve ganglia, a major artery, and some veins. So there's a lot going on there already, and when that collapses, I'm, I'm nearly six feet tall, and I was working on a, not only a laptop, but kind of a mini laptop computer. So my hands were too close together typing, and I was unwittingly allowing this top part of my body to Fold in, I guess, um, and this t- takes years t- for this to come on, but eventually it collapses and doesn't sort of pop back out again. So uh, when that happens, all of those things I mentioned before, the muscles, the the veins and arteries, and the nerves are essentially squeezed and squished, which is, as you might imagine, intensely painful. and it's also very debilitating. It becomes difficult to use the arms and the hands um it's hard to move the neck up or down or to either side the tissues swell the nerves get very inflamed and there's an awful lot of pain involved and eventually it goes through the whole body it starts
0: basically the it comes muscle. from the ergonomics
1: when it comes yeah, down it, and yeah it, yeah for yes absolutely ergonomics and also some people do get it from uh an impact like a car accident it's suddenly impacted in that and it and it oh. folds in and won't come out again and the unfortunate part of this is that um, there are some physical therapies you can do for this and some people are helped by it I had it on both sides of my body which is unusual usually it's only on one side and it affected all three of those areas that I mentioned before so some people are usually affected more with nerves or more with muscles I had them you know I just somehow I got the super deluxe version so not, it wouldn't uh, respond well to any of the normal physical therapies that are out there. So I was kind of left with, what do I do with this? Because uh, the only physical therapy I had was walking slowly, and that was about it. And it was really hard to do much of anything. So basically, I went from being very active, very uh, basically athletic and, and healthy overnight to just stop, you know, not hardly being able to do anything. That was that's a shock to the system, and I know other you know if we have viewers and listeners, I'm sure they're out there dealing with pain. They know what I'm talking about. You know when when it when pain moves in, it feels like it pushes you to the side and it takes over.
0: Well, wow. so. It's interesting because it brings up other things for me because I think a lot of people have carpal tunnel syndrome yeah. and they go through surgery to so overcome it. Did they were they offering any kind of surgical intervention at that
1: point? There is a surgery that people have, and what they do is they take out the first rib, so they're trying wow. to. Yeah, it's a big deal. So they're trying to create the space there that has been squashed. Um, they're mm-hmm. trying to recreate it by taking out the, the, the top rib and making more space. And I've heard peop- that people that that's worked for, um, but it's very iffy. I did go to a surgeon in San Francisco, the leading thoracic third surgeon there. He was a wonderful person. And he spent two hours talking to me and telling me, why I should not have this surgery. So, <laughs> so when the surgeon says, don't do this surgery, you know, you're going to back off, stay away from that. He said it was not probably going to help me with my version of TOS. And it's very, very painful surgery and a long recovery period. And he thought that I would just end up with it again, probably just collapse again. So I'm not a big one for surgery anyway. So that was fine with me. Like, okay, I don't have to go there.
0: So the point you're at now really can apply to anyone, no matter where we realize, okay, my life has a shift here and I don't, I'm not going to be the same as I was before. And so psychologically, what was the process you went through?
1: Oh, boy, it's really tough. Um, the first thing that happens usually, you know, when something like this happens, we don't know it's chronic, first of all. You know, we, mm. some, we meet something, a condition, an illness, an injury, whatever it is, and most of us expect that it's going to get better, um, especially if we've been active and healthy all our lives as I had been and everything else had healed. So this was going to get better too, right? So <laughs> I just kind of went with it and thought, oh, This is difficult, it's really painful, but it's going to go away. If I just do the right thing, take care of myself, and I had to slow way down, of course, and pull way back. And I kept waiting and waiting for it to get better, and it was about the end of the first year that one of my doctors took me aside and said, Sarah, this is not going to get better. This this condition is progressive. It's probably going to get progressively worse. You're going to have it for the rest of your life, and if it gets really bad, your arms can atrophy. Oh, thank you. That's like, I mean, I was glad to know, you know, like, okay, I have to deal with this. But wow, you know, I remember driving home from that appointment just in utter shock. Like the rest of my life, I'm going to deal with this and it can get worse. And there's no solutions out there. There's no treatments that work for me. So, um, so that was, you know, from, oh, it's going to be fine to, whoa, this is awful to, um, I went from there into a stoic phase, I call it, where I just lived with it, you know, for probably about five years. I just, plus I was a single mom, so I couldn't not live with it. I couldn't, I didn't have the luxury of whatever that luxury might be, you know, um, uh, pretending that I couldn't carry on or whatever, you know, I had to m- carry on every day, get up every morning for somebody who was... But at that
0: point, there. did you have support? I would think... You know, we, we need someone in life to be able to vent that we're going yeah, through. Yeah, Do yeah. you have that support system in place?
1: Um, I have friends that I could talk to, but it's really hard when you're in very intense pain. Um, yeah. You always want to talk about it. You don't want to sound like you're complaining. I, I you know, I kind of I'm from New England originally. We kind of do that thing of we you know, you just keep it to yourself. If you talk about it, it feels like you're putting it on somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not really encouraged in our culture to talk about pain much. It sounds like we're complaining or whining mm-hmm. or you know, we're, we're not supposed to we're supposed to hide it, we're supposed to get over it. We're supposed right. you know, to hurry, up, you know, kind of Bear up and, and carry on and be strong and resourceful. Plus, being a single parent, you have that kind of built-in carry-on mode anyway. So I did, you know, wow. I did talk to people about it, but not to the extent of what was, how it was really affecting me. I just, you know, it was, it was so much. Because do. when
0: people are saying to you, you know, or they say to us every day, how are you? I mean, yeah. most people don't want to really know how you are.
1: Yeah, not really. No. Because, you know, in my case, it would have gone on for about 20 minutes of, oh, and this hurts. <laughs> and so, So you just keep it to yourself and you say, I'm, you know, I'm getting along. What and about I, pain
0: management? Was there, did you turn, because, you know, a lot of people go through addiction and things like that at this yeah. point in the journey. And yeah. were you turning to any kind of medication,
1: self well. Um, medications aren't my big, you know, I I don't tend to want to run to them to begin with, because I'm aware of what they do to the body, and they're not necessarily the the healthiest thing to do. Um, As a part of my disability proceedings, I I had to show that I was trying to heal. And part of that is that you have to take drugs to show that you're trying to, I don't know what that means, because it wouldn't have healed anything, because it's a structural problem. But it was, you know, because they're just pain relievers was all I would be given. I did try three different kinds of nerve pain medications over time. They were not good for me. They, uh, And I find this is true when I talk to a lot of people with nerve pain. It's very difficult to work with. So I, they had a lot of um, intense side effects that made things for me worse. Um, put the pain at a little bit of a distance. so It was kind of fuzzed out a little bit, but then brought on migraines and sleeplessness and and too much fogginess to be somebody driving a kid around. So that was like, and nausea, all that stuff. So oh. um, so that didn't work for me. I know that some people, you know, it does work for, it does help them a lot. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, um, sometimes when people know that I don't take medications, they think that I'm against all medication, which I'm not. I understand the the dangers of it. I understand the addiction problems. I, you know, but we have people, and I've talked to so many of them that are can't function without some kind of medication. So we have to find some way to provide what needs to be provided, so people can just get out of bed and and live at least a minimal life, but also not stop there. Not have that be the only answer. Here's some here's some pills, and you know. Go home, you know that can 't be the only answer, so what I try to talk about is what what can we do beyond that how do we How do we live with pain beyond just medicating it and Of course, I was forced to look at that too, so um, what are the other things that we can look at so then obviously, from there. And it led to this
0: book, right? Because the yes. book's out now. We should mention it's called The Pain Companion. We're here with Sarah Ann Shockley on Just Google Radio. And we're hearing about her journey and how she was, uh, you know, dealing with her pain and some of the fears, anxieties, and emotions that come up when any of us experience pain in our life, and no matter how what form that takes from emotional to physical pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we want to hear a little about some of these modalities and and what you brought in to help deal with the pain, so we can all apply it to our own life.
1: Yeah. So I, I um so I found pretty quickly that the the allopathic methods weren't going to work for me. Most of the treatments that were out there made my condition worse because it was already very very extreme. So anything that were that involved uh, manipulation, even chiropractic, you know, not everything, uh, all the physical therapies, people could be very gentle and still would make it worse. It was just so extreme. So that wasn't there for me. Um, I did work, try a few different alternative modalities, but even energy healing, you know, very, the only thing that really helped was very light network chiropractic. I mean, like extremely light, like barely touching the points. And I did that for a couple of years and it would, it took the edge off the acute pain. But um, I found that most, most of the normal, Avenues were closed to me. So I, there I was, you know, without any medications and without um, uh, something to look for that might help me move out of this because I had nothing I was working on. You know, sometimes we have at least some kind of treatment method that we're working through, we can feel like we're progressing. So I had done a lot of um, metaphysical work in the past. I'd worked with shamans, Native American shamans years ago. I worked with Sufis. I've worked with healing modalities of of different kinds and of um, looking at really the other side of life. You know, the metaphysical aspects of what's on, what's the energetic of this, and what does it mean spiritually? And um, and I'm, it's not that I came up with brilliant answers, but I did. Um, use those to kind of look at inside myself. If I couldn't go outside physically to heal myself, what could I do going inward? And so that's what I tended to do. Um, I started trying to meditate, which didn't work out real well, but it taught me some things. Because sitting up straight, you know, meditation posture was very painful. Deep breathing was very painful. Staying on place very long was very painful. So um, I thought, well, how how can I meditate if I can't meditate? So I started to just notice my breathing and started working with that. You know, in in trying to meditate, I noticed, oh, I can't breathe very deeply. Oh, I'm breathing very shallowly most of the time. And I began to become aware of my breath and noticing that I was holding it a lot, which I think we do when we're in pain. We tend to, you know, pull back. And I just started to look at that and say, oh, how am I, I'm trying to, not breathe into the pain because I'm trying to keep pain from breathing in a sense. You know, it's like we try to cordon off the painful area and not give it anything. So not give it any space, kind of clamp down on it, try to push it out of our bodies, um, try not to breathe near it or with it. And we're not always aware that we're doing these things, but I became very aware because that's all I had to do was, you know, in, in terms of trying to heal myself was try to become aware of these very small movements in my body because that's that's what I was left to and began to understand that our breathing actually affects our ability to heal and it can affect our pain levels and that we sometimes try to almost make a wall of held breath against the pain again it's not conscious but just noticing these things and then uh, I just experimented with breathing differently you know well, I have a
0: background as an occupational therapist. So like all the things you're saying, I'm like, huh, what would I have thought? I don't do it anymore. I just educate mm-hmm. about juicing and healthy living. But but it ties in because it's about yeah. wellness. And some of the things when I remember back in my career for that, when we would talk about pain. So now when you say you were in pain and it was most positions, was this, can you rate it like a scale of 1 to 10 when you were in the pain? And were there some positions that were... Not as bad, like would you you know when you're in a fetal position, like were you in certain positions, would it help
1: uh unfortunately, with this, not terribly, what helps is to move from one to another position, yeah, I was in at ten a lot of the time for years, I mean it was right. really wow. really, really difficult, and I'm really strong, and these are I all mean,
0: things we would take for granted, you know yeah. taking deep breaths and yeah it's something that you probably were taking for granted before
1: yeah. yeah oh absolutely you wake up in the morning and so many people in pain have to face this you don't sleep hardly at all at night I slept for maybe 40 minutes at a time and it wasn't deep it was like snoozing because you, you, it takes a while to try to get some kind of position with the neck the neck was always trying to put pillows under there so it wouldn't be too much this way too much that way and putting your legs some way or other and then trying to get into some position that felt remotely less worse than the other one and then you might be able to fall asleep. But sometimes I wouldn't fall asleep till maybe four in the morning. I mean, you just you –
0: I, I empathize because I yeah. had a severe knee injury and everything yeah. you're saying is bringing you know, back the memories. Yeah. Of, I don't want to remember, but it's like <laughs> I know exactly what but you're talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah, and so a lot of us, you know, it's something to know about people in pain. We're sleep-deprived. You know, we're, we're kind of yes. walking around like zombies. I mean, there's a lot that goes with living with pain besides just the physicality of the pain. You know, so much more. So, yeah, no position was particularly good. And I had to shift around I'll probably at least a dozen times a night, you know, wake up and kind of, you know, do this very slow motion rocking, kind of try to get to the other side because I couldn't use my arms to push, you know. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. And then in the morning, it would be like, you know, you'd wake up. And sometimes, honestly, I felt like I was in worse pain than when I'd fallen asleep felt like I'd been beaten up by gorillas all night and, you know, run over by a steamroller. So, you know, I mean, it's really amazing how much pain the body can, can hold. And just gently kind of, ugh, you know, rolling over and trying to put a foot on the floor and very slowly standing up and then trying to come up to straighten. I know people with back issues can probably relate to this. It's very similar to having a back problem in terms of just that slow trying to just get yourself up. And then, I you know, when you're in a lot of pain, just getting out of bed is a major challenge and facing the day again. So it's, a, it's remarkable. And then um, you might be using up most of your energy to go take a shower and you're exhausted again. So it's quite challenging.
0: Well, let's talk about some of the concepts in the book here. And again, it's called the pain companion. And one of the first things you talk about, you say the first step in healing is to fully arrive in your pain. So... What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's probably not a very popular notion because we, we mostly don't want to be in pain. We don't want to be with it. But I'm, what i found, for me anyway, is that uh, in this, we have a pretty much a pain avoidant culture, and I was kind of alluding to it before, that we, we don't want to meet pain on our, on our path. We don't want to believe that it's part of human experience. And when we do meet it, we're taught to quickly get over it hide it, don't talk about it, push it away, End it. So the first thing we do with pain when we meet it is kill it, you know, I mean, it's like pain killers, you know, we, we try to end it. It's, it's, it's so um, this, this idea about pain being bad and wrong and a mistake is so pervasive that it seems normal to just try to end it. I mean, why would we do anything else? And I'm not saying that we would necessarily want to enjoy it or that we would want to have more of it or that we wouldn't want to medicate so that we could get through it. But to, instead of just having it be the battle with pain, you know, pain's the enemy, we're going to punch it in battle. You know, we get stuck in this, this stalemate with it. And it's particularly with chronic pain, it's not moving. So what I found was that it seemed to me eventually, because I did that for a while, and that just made my pain shoot through the roof, you know, trying to fight or trying to force it out. And we're taught that that's what we should do. We, we should get over it. We should, you know, be strong. We should battle it. And yet, boy, if it's not working, what do you do instead? So um, what I found, and again, this was awareness and breathing and also with some kind of creative meditations, I started asking myself, well, how could I be different with pain? If fighting it isn't helping me, if it's making my pain worse, And then being stoic isn't really, you know, that was like better than fighting, but it wasn't healing. It wasn't making it, you know, the pain go away. I just kind of put up with it for years. That didn't seem to be working. So there must be some place in the middle there where I could learn how to be with pain differently. So I started to think about that and think about how we think of pain as an enemy and something to be overcome and over, you know, overwhelmed and and eradicated and annihilated and all these words we use. And if, if that works, great, you know, but if it doesn't work, Hmm, maybe something else. So what is pain after all? It's a, it's a messenger. It's a signal from the body. It's the part of us asking for attention. It's the part of us that's hurting saying, you know, I need you, I need you to take care of me. And I thought, well, wow, that's really interesting that the first thing we do when we get that signal is try to get rid of it. And again, certainly we want to mitigate it, and bring it down, tone it down, so it's not at the shrieking level, you know, it's not unlivable. But if that's all we're doing is trying to get rid of it, then we might be missing part of our healing, I think. Um, And we're almost, in a sense, um, by not being with the pain as it is, and, and by being with it, again, it doesn't mean you have to feel every ounce of it, but being with it in the sense of turning your attention toward it and saying, what do you need? What are you here for? What can I do for you today, pain? Just really different from what we normally think of a pain. Normally it's like, uh, let me me not think of it. But when we're pulling away from pain and it's in our body, we're pulling away from part of ourselves in a sense. We're trying to separate us from us because that's part that's in pain is part of us. So we, we get into this battle with ourselves and sometimes that can just go on and on and on and on. So for me, uh, the first step in healing seems to be to shift that, that perspective and that perception of pain from the, the, the mistake, the thing that's wrong to, oh, I don't like it, don't want it, but it's a signal. It's a message. What's the message? What do you need from me? How do I need to change to be able to heal?
0: So it's a making peace, actually making friends with the pain in a way.
1: Yeah, it really is. And again, it's 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 so counterintuitive, and it's mm. so not what we're taught about pain. But but boy, it, it really isn't working. You know the way the, the way that we've been dealing with pain for many 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 millions of people. So um, kind of yeah, being being making friends with pain, and in, in a sense, it's a, not a friend you really wanted to invite over, but. Here you are, and you know it's in your body, and it's not going anywhere. And you know pushing it out the door isn't working; it just bounces right back. So okay, here we are. We're walking down the road together. Instead of sitting down and fighting with you and, and fighting the situation and just hating it and being angry, let's go down the road together, pain. Let's see what we can do here. And sort of you know turning, I, I began to realize that the way we are with pain is the way we are with ourselves. It's the way we are with the hurting part of ourselves or this part of ourselves that we don't really like, so can we kind of turn towards ourselves and see ourselves more kindly with a little more compassion and softness? I remember Ram
0: Das was saying about his stroke that there was a lesson to be learned in his stroke and, and you know he, he really, he did he got to grow um, spiritually through it so metaphysically, is there ever any point of is there ever any looking out or being like the bird on the branch and looking in and trying to figure out what the lesson is in our pain that we're experiencing?
1: Yeah, I think that, I think it's definitely there. And I think it's probably different for each person, that we each have our own message and our own, you know, pain is custom made for us and and, the, and the, what we learn is, is custom made for us in, in our lives. But definitely there's wisdom to be gained. And I've talked to so many people that talk about how much they've learned from pain, even though again it 's not the teacher we really thought we wanted to sign up for, and nobody really wants to go there but on the other hand' it 's a journey if you allow it to be it can be a real deepening journey and when we when we stop the constant battle, it, it helps the body relax a bit more and we we do allow ourselves to breathe a little more easily, the blood flows more easily so this physiological responses also that help healing when we just relax a little bit and begin to um, you know take off the boxing gloves. And sort of walk arm in arm with pain. So, uh, but certainly I've learned a lot about compassion, compassion for myself, which I think is really important. A lot of us in pain are, blame ourselves for being in pain. or very ashamed of ourselves because we can't participate the way we used to. Um, we feel very alone and isolated in it and... We feel guilty about having this. We feel guilty about having to ask for help. We feel guilty when we might have to have disability or any kind of federal, you know, financial help. We're scared about things and how it's going to work out. And there's a lot going on. And um, to begin to move differently through that and and allow ourselves to be kinder and have compassion for ourselves and just say, wow, this is a tough journey, self, you know. What, instead of just hurry up and get over it and why aren't you better yet and oh, how how come you must be, you know, you must not be trying hard enough. I mean, people tell that to us, but we say that to ourselves too. We worry that we're not trying hard enough and why aren't I healed yet and why isn't this working for me? And it just kind of, yeah, we want to get better. We all want to be out of pain. And it seems to have its own timetable. It seems to require a certain amount of time sometimes and a, and a certain gentleness that if we if we kind of step back from that pushing and just be with it and be a little more gentle and soft paradoxically we allow pain a little more room even to breathe and be with us it seems to you know it just like a person almost it seems to relax a little bit and begin to move
0: so even as we sit here during this interview are you experiencing a level 10 pain in your body no, right no
1: no not at this point i don't even know what i would call it probably five or something I mean, I still have pain, absolutely, I'm still in it. Um, I've learned to live within certain limits and parameters. But a few years ago, I wouldn't have been able to be sitting in this chair this long, not at all. I'd have to get up and walk around and, you know, I wouldn't be able to, to do this. Um, my mind wouldn't be this focused. I, a lot of people in pain, you know, you have, your cylinders aren't firing. Partly it's the sleep deprivation, but it's because pain takes a lot of energy just to be in it, as you know your experience, so you end up with what we call brain fog but also loss of memory um, you can 't think of words, your mind will just blank out all of a sudden it 's gone and you're like uh, it's very embarrassing actually for people that don't understand what 's going on so there's a lot that goes with it and um, and that just happened to me. I have no idea what you just asked. So you can ask me again or go on so. <laughs> <laughs> so I
0: was going to get to you. Um, why do you think it's, more, it's important for doctors? What do you think it is that they and uh, caregivers need to understand about people in pain?
1: Oh, that's such a great question. Um, I think the first thing is that there are all these other things going on that you know it's not just a medical condition even though the doctors have to treat it like that perhaps but to know there's a whole person walking in the office and that whole person especially if it's chronic pain but even if it's acute short-term pain it's affecting the whole being it affects the whole body not just the knee or the head or the migraine or the gut or wherever the pain seems to be most located it's affecting the whole body it's affecting that person's experience of life and experience of themselves they're probably exhausted they're probably scared they probably have a million stresses about who's going to pay for the medical bills how's this going to happen am I going to get better can I get disability am I going to have to do that can I work anymore who's going to take care of my kids I mean there's a million things that walk in the door with that condition and that injury. So, too, I think it would be great if we could include a little more of the sort of old-fashioned human presence, which is so healing and so important to healing, back into our doctoring, which we almost, you know, tried to cut completely out of this regimented sort of way we're dealing in only so many minutes. And But to, if doctors can just at least know that somebody walking in has a whole lot of other things going on in that package and that part of the healing process is to just allow them to tell, them, tell you what's going on. We get interrupted so often. Doctors will say, oh, I know what you're talking about. And it's like, well, wait on. you know, and especially for me, I have an extreme version of this. So people, doctors might say, well, I know what TOS is. Well, they don't know what, what mine is because it's, you know, it's very extensive. So um, we need to feel listened to. We need to feel heard. We need to feel respected. Um, sometimes we feel like we're walking conditions or walking pain things when we're when we're met by doctors or or people that are relating to us mostly by the pain or the condition we'd like to be seen as as full people and believed you know it's true that pain can go on and on and it's unfortunate but sometimes we're disbelieved sometimes we're told that that can't be so you must you can't how could you be in pain this long? It just doesn't go on for years. Um, you must not be trying hard enough. You know, we get all of these things, and I think we need a little more um, support in the way of just yeah. Maybe there's a few people out there that are exaggerating, but most of us in pain, honestly, we minimalize it. We don't tell the whole story. It's you know we we're, we're not out there. I, I mean, I had to learn how to talk about it, and I had to learn. The words to use because i would just say well my neck hurts and it was like you know way beyond that you know but you so i think that you know to to sort of err on the side of giving more to the person who's walking in and give them more credence and more um i guess just honoring where they're at and respect yeah
0: it's Sarah Ann Shockley. Again, the book is The Pain Companion, Everyday Wisdom for Living With and Moving Beyond Chronic Pain, and you can get that at Amazon bookstores worldwide. Her website is www.thepaincompanion.com, and we're going to have links to that under the show notes at com for today's show, so be sure to tune in there, and, you can, and if you're in the Juice guru Rewind, we'll have the link for you in your email and in, in the Rewind video that you'll get as part of this. Um, before we close out, though, Sarah, um, what do you hope that most readers will take away from reading your book?
1: Well, absolutely, a sense of um, not that they're not feel so isolated and alone in pain. I know it's a private experience, and we feel so cut off when we're in pain. But to have a sense that at least somebody else there gets me. You know, by reading this, a lot of it is, a lot of readers have told me how important it is that they just, when they read through what I've written about these different emotional aspects of living with pain or how it affects our lives, to just be mirrored and be witnessed and wow, somebody understands what it's like. And that in itself can be incredibly healing to understand that when you're going through these uh, amazing feelings you're not crazy you're not the only one feeling them you know there's there's other people out there that, that get that and that there are ways to be with pain and to be with yourself that might be a little uh a little more healing a little softer to just you know give yourself a break it's really hard to be in pain it's really hard and so maybe to pull back from having to be the perfect patient or having to heal at any particular time or you know to why did this happen or you know it's you're not a mistake you're not a failure it's it's something that we all meet in life and so just to yeah be, be with yourself in a kinder way I'd say
0: Well, Sarian Chakri, thank you so much for your brave uh, sharing of this story and helping other people with this. Thank you for being on our show. And we will take some questions from the Juice Guru community from JuiceGuruTribe.com, and that's on Facebook. But we're going to go off iHeartRadio right now. We're going to go off the air, but join JuiceGuruTribe.com if you want to be part of the conversation or JuiceGuruRewind.com for behind-the-scenes green room access. Sarah, thank you again for being here. Oh,
1: thank you so much. I really enjoy it, Steve. I hope it helps people out there.
0: Thank you. So so healing. Thank you again. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juicegururadio.com. Until next time, get your juice on.